I am so thankful for the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? Aren't you thankful that the Spirit of Christ is in our midst? He's inhabited our praise here today. He's here today. In fact, we brought him with us today because he lives inside of us. And wherever we go, he is there with us. And I'm thankful for the relationship that we have, not with the thing of the Holy Spirit, but with the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to say this with me, say this with me this morning. Say, the Holy Spirit is a person. <clears throat> we need to remember that all the time, that he's a person that lives inside of us. It's the Spirit of Christ. And as we've looked over the last several weeks um, and, and, and this series <clears throat> from the Holy Spirit, he's, we've seen that he's, he gives us discernment. He guides us. He helps us to grow up. Last week we looked at that. Uh, and in fact, if you've missed any of these messages, I hope you'll go back on our Facebook page or on our website and see what uh, we've been talking about here. A lot of times in Pentecostal churches, of which we are a unabashedly, unashamedly Pentecostal church, by the way, it's all right to praise the Lord and shout praises to the Lord in this place, amen? But a lot of times when we have Pentecostal and we define Pentecostal, it's those outward dynamics. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and I feel like that in the Holy Spirit's uh, 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 discussion and in, 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 in unfolding and unpacking what it says in God's Word about the Holy Spirit, I think a lot of times we miss some of the practical things that the Holy Spirit helps us with, you know, in our daily lives. And so that's what we've been looking at. But today, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit gives us authority. Now, that's something that is more in vain or more in line with the Pentecostal uh, experience that we've had. And so you're going to see kind of what, where this is going here this morning, but hopefully it'll take a different bent than maybe what many of us have been used to. But the Holy Spirit is our, is our friend. The Holy Spirit is our ever-present companion. He never leaves us. He walks with us. He teaches us. He talks with us. He points us to Jesus constantly. And we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus See, here's the thing. In the physical form, just like for us, in, in, in the physical form, Jesus can only be at one place at one time. He was limited to that on this earth. And so as limiting as it was to us, it was limiting to him as well. So that's why he had this plan. He had this solution. If you look in John 16, 7, uh, write this down in the words, of the, the scripture's gonna be on the screen. He says to the disciples, and he's telling us, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I'll send him to you. So it's the Spirit of Christ. It's the helper. He's here to help us today. So when Jesus went to heaven, he sent us his Holy Spirit so that he could be with us everywhere all at once. The Holy Spirit is right here in this room today, but he's also halfway around the world at the very same time. How could that be? Because he's a spirit. He's not limited to a body. We know that word as omnipresent. We call it in church omnipresent. That means he's at all places at the same time. God is present everywhere. His spirit is everywhere. And so, in fact, Psalm 139, which I ask you to turn to, says this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. As I said, he's as real in this room today as he is in China right now, as he is in Africa right now, as he is in Europe right now, as he is in Israel right now. And God, please watch over the nation of Israel. Bless, Lord God, we bless Israel right now. 
<clears throat> Father God, we pray that you give the military commanders and the politicians and the uh, political leaders there the wisdom and the discernment that they need. We come against the plans of the enemy that would try to destroy your people. We thank you, Lord God, for bringing good things out of this. And Jesus, show yourself to be real to these, to these precious people that they're your chosen people. Lord God, they believe in you, but Jesus, they don't believe in you. Let the reality of the Messiah show up in Israel today to those that are, need a Savior. Let them realize that you, Jesus, are the Savior that they've been looking for, the Messiah that they've been praying for. And we thank you, Lord God, for keeping your hand on that precious nation. And we pray for the peace. We pray for the blessings of Israel today. Amen? Amen. You know, the Holy Spirit is not only real in this room, but he's also real in your sorrows. He's also real in your joys. The Holy Spirit is real in your failures. The Holy Spirit is real in your successes. The Holy Spirit is real to you in your bad times, and he's just as real to you in, his good, in your good times. Because he's there with us at all times. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going through, he's there, he's walking with you, and he's helping you all along your journey. We've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is with us at all times. Do you believe that this morning? You see, Jesus had to come in physical form to live a sinless life. And he had to offer his body as a once and for all final sacrifice for our sins. But once he did that, that was Jesus' job. Once he did that, he didn't need to be here in physical form anymore. He knew his spirit would take it from there to help us. See the plan that he's laid out? And the Holy Spirit then now teaches us, he guides us, he grows us, and he's always pointing us back to Jesus. So he sent us his spirit on the day of Pentecost, and they were all gathered. You know that story in Acts chapter 2? They were all gathered in one accord, waiting on the promise, and the church of which we are a part of today was birthed some 2,000 years ago from the Holy Spirit. That same church, Jesus said, will not be defeated, by the way. This church, the church of Jesus Christ, will not be defeated. The gates of hell cannot overcome the church of Jesus Christ. Church, listen to me today. There's no political movement. There's no agenda. There's no wokeness. There's no nothing else that's going to happen that's going to overcome the church of Jesus Christ. Hear me today. Why do I say that? Because God has given us, Jesus has given us his authority and his authority lives in us today to do his work and to represent him well to those in our generation. That's why the church will not be defeated because Jesus cannot be defeated. Do you hear me today? The church can't be defeated because Jesus cannot be defeated. Over the centuries, the church has been attacked and vilified. Over the centuries, it is, there's been attempts to silence it and to shut it down, to not be successful. Over the centuries, Satan has attempted to pervert the church's purpose and to lull it into slumber. And those attempts, by the way, have served only to make it rise from the ashes and make it stronger and more effective than ever before. A song from my childhood that some of you may know from the Gaithers entitled The Church Triumphant. How many knows that song I'm talking about? I know at least my mom and dad do. I know there's some that do because it was constantly playing in the car and at our house. And so uh, <clears throat> Gloria Gaither had this little narrative inside this uh, song, and I want to read it to you uh, that speaks to this fact that God has already promised and designed that the church will never, ever be defeated. Listen to this. God has always had a people. 
Many a foolish conqueror has made the mistake of thinking that because he had forced the church of Jesus Christ out of sight, he had stilled this voice and snuffed out its life. But God has always had a people. The powerful current of a rushing river is not diminished because it's forced to flow underground. Now the purest water is the stream that bursts crystal clear into the sunlight after it has forced its way through solid rock. There have been those who, like Simon the magician, sought to barter on the open market that power which cannot be bought or sold. But God has always had a people. Men who could not be bought and women who were beyond purchase. God has always had a people. There have been times of affluence and prosperity when the church's message has been nearly diluted into oblivion by those who sought to make it socially attractive, neatly organized, financially profitable, but God has always had a people. Yes, it's been gold-plated, draped in purple, and encrusted with jewels. It has been misrepresented, ridiculed, lauded, and scorned. But God has always had a people. And these followers of Jesus Christ have been, according to the whim of the times, elevated as sacred leaders and killed as modern heretics. Yet through it all, their march is on that powerful army of the meek. God's chosen people who cannot be bought, bartered, murdered, or stilled. On through the ages they march. The church, God's triumphant church. Let the church be the church. I can just hear him singing it after that. Aren't you thankful that God has always had a people? And church, we are those people. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And we will not be defeated. Now there's all sorts of ways that we can have authority in this life. I was thinking about that this week as I was putting this message together. And I was thinking, how do people get authority? And there's three different ways here that I was thinking of that just the Lord just brought to my mind. Here's the first one. Some people inherit authority. I mean, you think about people, they're born into it, in other words, right? They're just inherited. You think about a child born into a royal family. You think about those in England, for example. That's a prime example. These people are born princes or princesses. And only, because, and, only, and only and because of who their parents are, there they are in that place of authority. So they're groomed and trained to one day ascend the throne. We see it happen. How about maybe a child that's born into a family where the parent is a founder and CEO of a large corporation? They're trained, they're groomed as well to one day take the helm of the business so carefully they're nurtured by their parent to take the helm of that large corporation. There's a lot of ways that we can inherit authority. It's by nothing that we have done. It's a bloodline, luck of the draw as God sees fit. We're inherited in authority. Here's the next thing. Another uh, way that we can get authority is sometimes we're, we're installed or we're, in other words, we're voted in. Another way that we can gain it is like, for example, this congregation. In fact, we'll be here 13 years this coming Tuesday is our 13th anniversary at this church some 13 years ago. Amen. 13 years ago this coming Tuesday, we were voted in. And so we were installed, and that gave Kelly and I the authority to pastor this church. Citizens are voted in as they voted in political leaders. We see it happen in, the, in, the, in, our, in our local and national governments. Board, boards vote in presidents of companies and colleges and nonprofits. It happens all the time in all sorts of different ways. In fact, just this past Wednesday, we know that the House of Representatives voted in Mike Johnson. By the way, he's a solid, unashamed, unabashed, born-again believer and to, to be the speaker of the house. The man is second in line to the presidency. To church, we need to pray for this man 
that God will protect him and use him in a mighty way, as, and also God protect him in such a way where the, any plans that the enemy has against him will, will fail. And, you know, so we can, we can be installed into positions that give us authority by election. Here's another word, another one, and this is a kind of funny word. It's endued. Say that with me, endued. That's a funny word. We don't say that much, do we? I'm just going to be endued today. No, we just don't say that word. That's kind of a spiritual, it's an older word. But let me tell you what endued means. It's in the Bible. It, it, it means to invest into. It, it means to put on like this garment that I'm wearing. It means to pour into. It means to fashion. It means to absorb. That's a lot of different words for endued that, that kind of fleshes that out. So we may not be born into authority like Prince William, or we might not be voted into authority like some of the political leaders that we have in our nation. But we have been poured into and it can, be a, it can be something that we absorb or that we can put on in our lives. I want you to imagine for a minute, and as some of your seamstresses in here, uh, imagine maybe a bolt of material that is cut and fashioned by a skilled seamstress specifically for you to wear and enjoy. You see those, usually those wealthy people that can go up and say, I'm going to get me a tailored suit or a nice fitted you know, dress or whatever. I found this beautiful material and I have a seamstress make it and it's going to be just for me. You know, but you have this skilled seamstress who then measures you and gets to work on this garment. And what was once just a piece of cloth on a bolt of material is now a beautiful garment uniquely crafted for you. You for the garment, the garment for you. It's not going to look good, fit, or any other way, shape, or form in anybody else because it's yours. And that's what in due means. The knowledge, experiences, and the opportunities over the years, have given you a sort of authority that can't be bought, it can't be sold, it can't be voted on or born into, it can't be manufactured. I want you to think about the people that have poured into your life over the years. You were an apprentice sitting under a skilled craftsman in a trade you desired to be part of, and now you are the skilled craftsman. You sat under the teaching of an instructor or a professor in your years of schooling that have gained you skills that make you an authority in your field of work, and so now you're the instructor and the professor. You've read books and gone to seminars and honed your knowledge and abilities to make you a qualified and worthy authority to now mentor others. And you know exactly who I, what I'm talking about in your particular field. Maybe you've gone through some challenging seasons in your life and you've learned from them and you've grown in them. And now you can help others along as they face similar challenges. People get counseled all the time and speak in other people's lives. You've intentionally revolved your life around people and you've exposed yourself to the training that have endued you with the authority that you don't have because of your bloodline or because you got voted upon, but only through experience and being poured into. That's what endowment means. And no one can do it quite like you, by the way. It's a perfect fit of authority because you've been endued with it through the years of being poured into and walked out, combining with your unique way that God has fashioned you. Only you can do what you can do. Say that to someone, say, only you can do what you can do. Yeah, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? But it's true. I don't know. I think he said Scooby-Dooby-Doo, but I don't know. He told me to say Yabba-Dabba-Doo. I'm not sure what he told me to tell. But anyway, it's what he said. <laughs> you guys are going to be thinking about that later. Only we can do what... No, that's not what he said. Uh -huh. You know, you understand more clearly. You see the patterns of the things that are in your life the predictability is the cause and effect of life choices. And that's what 
been poured, that's what's been poured into you now that you can pour into others. You've been poured into, haven't you? Aren't you, aren't you thankful this morning that through the good times and the bad, the different experiences, you're, you're being poured into, you're being created this garment of experience. You've been endued with this. So I know to go to certain people for certain things, and you know to come to me as well, because you're an expert in those particular areas. I, I, I value your, in, your wealth of knowledge and, and experience on those things, and so I ask you questions, and you pour into my life, because you've been endued with it. No one's voted you, and you weren't born into it. It's just from life experience. In fact, we can take these three things of inherited, uh, installed, and endued, and we can actually convert them to a spiritual sense. You want to hear to this? Listen to this. Let's revisit them for a second. In our inheritance, installment, and endowment, let's see how God also applies to this to our lives as children of God. Here's the first ones. Inherited. As sons and daughters of God, guess what? We have been reborn in Christ. We've died to our sins, we've been made new creations in Christ, and our new bloodline is in Christ. Your bloodline is not in the sinful person that you were. Your bloodline now is in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. The perfect, sinless blood of Christ is flowing through your spiritual veins. Isn't that good to know? Therefore, our destiny is not eternal separation from God, but an inheritance into God's eternal kingdom through divine, through Jesus Christ. Our inheritance is in Christ. Listen to this. First Peter chapter one, verses three and four says this. Blessed be to God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born. Talk about being born again. This is what this is talking about. We are born to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, reserved in heaven for you. You've been born into the bloodline of Christ, and now our inheritance is the things that are of God in his kingdom. Isn't that good to know? You might think, well, I don't have an inheritance. My parents are poor. I don't, you know, don't have anybody. That's You've got an inheritance that is beyond anything that anybody would ever leave you here on this earth. And it's imperishable. It can't be changed. No one's going to come. Even Satan would try to come in and say, well, you know, I, I, uh, I, I dispute that. And Jesus says, well, I don't. They're mine. Satan, you're the accuser of their brethren. Get out of here. You're a liar. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Say, I'm a child of God. Say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And if so, if children, then we're heirs of God. So if I'm his child, that means that I've tapped into his, I'm, I've got an inheritance there. I'm an heir to God. And then I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him, I am so thankful that we have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. Church, we are joint heirs with Jesus. We are grafted into the vine. We've been adopted into God's family. We're covered by the blood. And our authority is grounded of our, in our inheritance in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the authority that we have. Not in our own strength, but in the authority of Jesus Christ. Here's the next one. Installed. Did you know that God has chosen you? He has voted for you. He has pulled the lever and said, I vote for you. He calls us. He knows us by name. We are his. 1 Peter 2.9 says it this way. But you are a chosen people. Say chosen. He chose you. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A whole, you might say, wait a minute. I chose God. Uh -uh. He chose you. He, pulled, he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's the one that, that, that brought you out of your miry pit. It, did he not? 
He chose you. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Hey, come on up here. I'm choosing you. You come on out. Colossians 3.12 says, therefore, as the elect of God, he pulled the lever for you. I'm an elect of God. He, He voted for me. He voted for you. He voted for us so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's how much he believes in you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he's chosen you. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, all those things, but we are the elect of God. He's chosen us. God has pulled the lever in the voting booth for you today, church. He's elected you into his family and given you his authority to walk in that based on that election. Just as I'm the pastor of this church, it gives me a certain amount of authority. Just as political leaders the same way, they have authority to do some things. We as children of God have been elected by God and so therefore because of our position in him, we must and can walk in that authority that causes us to do some awesome things. Here's the next one, endued. There's that funny word again. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, he says, behold, I send you the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. Jesus said to stay put until I clothe you, until I put it upon you, until I invest into you, until I pour this into you, my power from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit. This gives us authority not from an inheritance or not from an installment, but by being poured into. And I'll say it again, it's Jesus' authority that has been poured into us. It's not my authority. It's not my best friend's authority. It's not anybody that I love. And and I'm not going to say and speak in the name of anybody else. It's going to be in the name of Jesus that I have that authority. He's been poured into me. He lives in me. And so I can represent him well and speak on his behalf. And in his name, I have that authority. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority. Say all authority. Does he say some authority? Did he say 99% authority? Did he say in certain situations it's authority? It's all authority. Say all. Say it again, all. Does Jesus live in you? Therefore, you have all authority because all authority has been given to Jesus, he says. This is him speaking of himself. All authority has been given to me, he said. In heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. By the way, did I mention we're having a baptism service here this morning? (laughs) Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. He's down in the low parts, (laughs) and he's up in the high parts. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We're disciples who make disciples, church. We should be disciples who make disciples. We've been poured into so that we can pour onto others and into others. Do you hear me, church? It's not just feed me, feed me, feed me, receive, receive, receive. We're not a receptacle, we're a conduit. If you picture yourself as a bowl, that's all you're doing is just receiving. How many knows that if there's not an outlet for a bowl, the water gets stagnant, does it not? It gets all moldy and nasty, it's undrinkable, right? We're to be a conduit. As the Lord has poured into us, we are then to pour into others, and it keeps it nice and clean and fresh. We have been clothed so we can clothe. We've been invested into so we can invest into others. 
It's really why we're here today. It's why we exist on this earth, to have relationship with Jesus, but also to have others have relationship with Jesus. Because you see, someone who was endued with God's power poured into you, did they not? You can think about it right now. You can think about the person or people that poured into your life over these years. Can you not? Think about them right now for just a second. Aren't you thankful for them? Aren't you thankful for the people that poured into your life? Now go and do the same. We must go and do the same. It's our term. It's our time. We're to pour into others now. As we've been mentored and discipled and taught, we're called to do the same. So we've inherited. We've been installed. We've been endued with this authority. And we all know what authority brings. Authority brings power. Let's talk about this. Authority with authority comes power. Now, the office of a CEO or a president brings with it great power. But church, there's no power greater than God's power. There is no CEO, there is no president, there is no king that has a greater power than you as a child of God. Do you hear me today? You as a child of God have more power in you than a president, a king, or a CEO all combined. He resides in you. That power resides in you. We have the power of the Most High God living inside of us. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So it's working in us and it's working out from us. Jesus lives in our hearts and with him comes his complete authority and his unlimited power. So why do we have this power? Because, you know, that's kind of a heady thing to say. I have... I have what? I have unlimited power and complete authority inside of me? Whoa. Nah. That's not how we need to view it. We don't walk around and say, I have unlimited power and complete authority. Look at me. Get out of my way. Church, we cannot handle it. We can't handle that unlimited power, uh, unlimited power and, and absolute authority. We can't do it. In fact, we're going to abuse it. We're going to misuse it if we do it in the wrong way. We've got to be careful. We've got to be humble, we've got to be selfless, and we've got to be kingdom-focused with that power. We've all seen and read about how that power has been abused. In fact, Jesus even touched on it in Luke chapter 10. Listen to this in Luke 10, verses 19 and 20. He says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Now, don't be trampling snakes and scorpions. Please don't go out and say, well, get, find me a snake or a scorpion somewhere, I'm going to womp on it. Don't, don't do that. He's talking about how there's awful things out there, poisonous things out there, things that will hurt you and all those sort of things, not just physically, but in every possible way. In other words, the things that would try to harm you, you can harm them. And to overcome the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. And then he gives this little caveat, which is important to us. He says, however, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Don't rejoice that you have that authority and that power. Don't rejoice in that. But... Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that you're saved. Walk humbly with this power. Not pridefully, not arrogantly, not selfishly, but humbly and kingdom focused. Lord, you've given me this power to glorify you. You've given me this power to use it for your purposes, not mine. So how does God expect us to use it? Again, there's a lot of different avenues we can go with this, but I want to narrow it down to three that I felt like the Lord told me to narrow it down to for those that he knew were going to be here today. I hope you're writing stuff down because this is a good time to start writing. If you're not, start writing it down now. First off, he's given us this authority 
so that we can have the power to do what? To overcome temptation. Temptation is a big deal for a lot of us. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. It's an instruction to us today. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. God's not doing that. But each person, listen to this, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So then he's, he's giving a little bit of a, the Bible's giving us a little bit of a clarity here that a lot of times we blame Satan for things when in fact it's us. Now, Satan's only too anxious and willing to grease the skids and encourage us along. But this is saying that we're tempted when we're dragged away by our own evil desires and enticed. And then it gives a progression of how, what this ends up doing to us. After desires conceived, it gives birth to sin, and then sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. So our temptations will lead us to death if we give in to them. So again, we blame Satan for this, and I'm not here to you know, give him a pass, because I'm getting ready to get on his case here in a few minutes. But this first one, is that we, don't be saying, the devil made me do it. Remember Flip Wilson, oh, the devil made me do it. Sometimes he makes you do it, but sometimes that old finger that you're pointing at him needs to be pointing right to you and me, right? Because we give in to stuff a lot. Our circumstances, our temptations, by the act of our own will, and we give in to our own sinful desires, we fall into all sorts of hurtful temptations, Satan's happy to encourage it along, but it starts with us, church. It starts with you and me, individually. It goes from the desire to death, and sometimes it takes a few minutes, and sometimes it takes a few years, but I promise you, it will lead to death in your life. Now, it's not necessarily a physical death. There's a lot of different ways that you can die. It could be a death of your witness. It could be a death of relationships that you have. It could be a death of opportunities that you might, might have in front of you. It's all kinds of ways that it will lead to death. But there's a way to overcome this church. I'm so thankful. And here it is. It's through the power of Jesus Christ. It's always through the power of Jesus Christ. It's not by your own willpower. It's not by your smarts. It's not by what the things that you have and you can use. It's only through Jesus Christ that you can overcome temptation. Hebrews 4.15 says, we don't have a high priest. His name is Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Did you know that every temptation that you're facing right now or that you've dealt with in your life, Jesus understands it because he's dealt with it as well. But guess what? He didn't give in. He didn't fail. He stood to the temptation and he overcame it. He stood in the temptation and he resisted it. He stood in the temptation and he defeated it. And he understands your temptations. He's aware of it. I know the temptations are sometimes subtle. I know sometimes they're persistent. I know sometimes they're appealing. And I know sometimes they're convincing. But Jesus gives us a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says it this way. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, every temptation that you're dealing with today, it's common. You're not an exception to the rule. Satan would try to tell you, oh, that's, no one understands that. Particularly Jesus doesn't understand that because you're all alone in this. It's not true. 
Everybody has faced temptations. These are common because temptations are common to man because that's the way our sinful nature is wired. But God is faithful, it says. And he's not gonna let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. In other words, he's with you. As I said earlier, the Holy Spirit is with us at all times. And he's sitting there like, you know, good angel, bad angel, right? Good, good conscience and bad conscience. And the Holy Spirit's there speaking to us saying, there's a way of escape. There it is right there. He says he's not going to let you get beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, he'll provide for you a way out so that you can endure it and be more than an overcomer, that I might add. So listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, don't do that, don't say that, don't go there, don't be that way. Here's the way of escape. And let me tell you what the way of escape is. A little spoiler alert here. Your way of escape is always in the arms of Jesus Christ. You always run to him. Because he's there right now saying, come on, I got you. I'm going to protect you. I'll cover you. I'm going to help you to resist this that is coming your way. Now, let me give you an alternative. And by the way, when he gives you that alternative, take it. Don't hesitate. Don't, don't negotiate it. Embrace it. It, it. Take it. Live in it. And don't look back. You're going to turn into a pillar of salt or something like that. Don't look back. And when you do that, church, what it's going to do is going to help you to grow your spiritual muscle. You're going to walk in that authority of the power of the Holy Spirit as you continue to say no to that. No to the things of this world. No to the things that are trying to lure me away, that are convincing me to go this direction, to say that thing, to think that thought, to act out in this way. I'm not doing it. I'm going to take that straight and narrow, and the Holy Spirit's going to help me. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. He's going to give me the strength, and I'm going to run to Jesus. And you'll build this muscle. How I many has ever worked out? You know what I'm talking about? The more you work it out, more like, man, I'm, I'm looking good. Spiritually, same thing. The more you work out those muscles, the more that you're going to look pretty good. Now, don't get all boastful and say, I look pretty good because even the strongest men and women mess up. But here's the thing. As we grow, as we learn, as we're exercising that power, it's going to help you to not just experience victory, but also to take that and say, hey, God, this, this for me, let me show you the way of escape. You can pour into others. See, that's the thing. It's not, we're not just barely making it here, church. Do you hear me today? Church, we're not barely making it, are we? But we're more than conquerors, amen? We're a victorious church. We walk in his authority. And it's time for us to stop just barely hanging on. Jesus, if you'll just come back, if you'll just rescue me, if you'll just fix this. No, it's time for us to stand on the solid ground that we have in Jesus Christ and have enough wherewithal and enough to give out to others to say, hey, let me grab your hand and pull you up here with me. I'm so tired of the church just barely making it. Church, it's time for us to move on from that. It's time for us to get up and say, wait a minute, I've got enough for here, but I also got enough in reserve to pour into others. And I'm doing it today, tomorrow, and the next day, next week, next month, until Jesus returns. Pour into others as you see them facing their temptations. So we have this authority of the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to overcome temptation. Here's the second one. It's the power to help us to overcome Satan. I told you I was getting ready to get to him. Now, sometimes, yeah, it's our own selves that we need to overcome, but other times it's Satan himself who we need to overcome. And we know in John 10, 10 that Satan's job description is to steal, kill, and destroy. And by the way, in our own strength, Satan is a formidable foe that cannot be overcome in our own strength. We can't do it. 
I, I cannot overcome Satan in the strength of Brian. I can't. You can't either. I don't care how strong you think you are, how smart you think you are. Satan is stronger and smarter than you. Okay? And by the way, Satan is relentless. He's just not going to give up. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't get tired. Just like God never sleeps, he never slumbers, neither does Satan. He doesn't set up his alarm, get up in the morning at 9 o'clock and say, okay, who can I mess up today? He's 24-7 on this thing, okay? Now, think about this. Peter was trying to defend Jesus and tell Jesus that Jesus wasn't going to die. Peter said, not on my watch, you're not going to die. Jesus was talking about, I'm getting ready to go die. And so, <laughs> Peter said, no, you're not, not on my watch. And here, think about this. Peter, Jesus, I mean, left hand, I mean, right hand guy, you know, I mean, one of the main dudes, top three, right? Top three of the 12. And so here's Jesus turning to, <laughs> turning to Peter in Matthew 16, 23, and says, get behind me, Satan. It's like, what the, you talking to me? I'm sticking up for you, man. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're not a stumbling, you are a stumbling block to me. You don't have a mind, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, Peter was sitting there, I just feel sorry for the guy, bless his heart. He was just trying to stick up for Jesus, you know. I'm not going to let anybody kill you, Jesus. Peter wanted to keep Jesus, though, around. Think about this. He wanted to keep Jesus around for Peter's purposes. He was having a good time with Jesus. Man, his life was on a trajectory going in the right direction with Jesus. And so no one's going to kill, no kill you, Jesus, because this is a good thing going here. But Jesus stayed focused on his purpose. And Jesus' purpose was to give his life as a ransom for all. And so he turned to Peter... Peter was not the enemy of Christ, by the way. And Peter was just ignorant at that moment of what Jesus needed to do. He, he wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was just realizing that Satan was trying to use Peter to get Jesus off of his game. To, to help him to get off of his focus. But isn't that what Satan tries to do to us? Doesn't he, though? Think about it. He tries to get us off of our game. He tries to get us off of our focus of who we are in Christ and what God has called us to do in his kingdom and focus instead on the temporary, the momentary, the things of this world. We get consumed and distracted by all of these cares. Satan himself even tried to stop Jesus before he even began his ministry. We know that Jesus went into the wilderness after he was baptized by John the Baptist. That I mentioned, by the way, that we're having a baptism here today. Okay. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And as soon as that happened, you know, we know the angel came down or the dove came down. This is my beloved son whom I will please. And then Jesus took off. You would think that that would be a great introduction to just ministry, man. He's just going at it. Instead, Jesus went to the wilderness for 40 days where he was tempted. He had nothing to eat, nothing. It just, he was all by himself except he wasn't because God was with him. And the angels were ministering to him. And so, even before Jesus could even get out there in ministry, Jesus, Satan offered Jesus power, material things, titles, position. If only, Satan said, just worship me. Just, if you'll just worship me, I'll give you all that stuff. By the way, Satan actually had the authority to do that. Okay, keep that in mind. But Jesus stayed focused. He knew Satan's tricks, and so Jesus rebuked Satan. Luke 4, 8 says, Jesus answered him after all these temptations and said, get behind me, Satan. Literally talking to Satan at that moment. For it is written, you shall not worship the Lord your God. I'm sorry, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall worship. Church, sometimes, sometimes we just need to speak the name of Jesus, don't we? Can you just say the name of Jesus right now? 
Come on, say it again. Cry out to say Jesus one more time. Sometimes we just need to cry out to Jesus, don't we? In our times of attack, the best and most effective thing that we can do is say, get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Satan wants to throw you off your game. Don't let him confuse you, church. Satan wants to keep you focused on the momentary and temporary. Don't let him distract you, church. Satan wants to have you go after things of this world. Don't let him lure you away, church. Take the authority that's been given to you in Christ Jesus and in the power of his name and rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. And let's be careful, by the way, to understand that it's not only in the name, in the powerful name of Jesus that you can overcome Satan, but it's also in a relationship with Jesus that it can be used properly. Let me give you a story here in Acts chapter 19 of how the name of Jesus was used improperly and hear the results of it. Some Jews who went around, starting in verse 13, driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And the seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? You better be careful in something like that. If anybody, if, if anybody ever says that to you, you better run. Because here's what happened after that. The man who had the evil spirit jumped on all seven of these guys and overpowered them all. One versus seven, you would think, there's no way that guy can win. But when the demonic starts attacking, as I said, if you don't have Jesus in you, you cannot overcome Satan in your own strength. Seven men can't overcome Satan in their own strength. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Not a good day for the seven sons of Sceva. Church, listen to me this morning. Jesus is not an abracadabra name that could be thrown around haphazardly. His name is powerful. It's also holy. It's the name above all names. And it's the only name where demons tremble and are cast out. It's the only name that every tongue will one day proclaim, even Satan's forked tongue himself, that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Church, listen to me this morning. The name of Jesus Christ is not a swear word. And if you say the name of Jesus Christ is a swear word, repent and don't do it again. Because that's blasphemous. All that Jesus has done for us and that we would curse it, that we would use it as a curse word, I just can't imagine. It's, it's thrown around irreverently and disrespectfully in our world today. You see it just all the time, don't you? You probably hear it at work, in your school. But it's not a swear word to be thrown around irreverently. But instead, it's a powerful name that is to be revered and respected because his name represents the entirety of all that Jesus has done and represents in heaven. Acts 4, 11 and 12 says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus is powerful. The name of Jesus is holy. Let's respect it, let's reverence it, and let's use it wisely and appropriately. 
Can I encourage you today to reverence the name of Jesus in your daily life? Can I encourage you today to don't throw around his name carelessly or disrespectfully? In fact, I ask that the Holy Spirit in each of you would be grieved when you hear the name of Jesus being used in a curse word. Don't become callous to it, but let it break your heart. And by the way, don't be afraid to stand in the authority of the name of Jesus against Satan. Use it against Satan as often as you need to. So we have the power and the authority to overcome temptation and overcome Satan. And finally, the third one, it's a power to help us boldly witness. Witness? Pastor, I wish you'd stop telling me I need to tell others about Jesus. I'm sorry. It's my job. And it's our job to share Christ with others. Acts 1.8 says, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my what? You'll be my what? Acts 1.8 says, you're going to be my what? Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. You know, Jesus could have said anything. I'm going to give you power to go out and make a lot of money. Didn't say that, did he? I'm going to give you power so you can get the big old position and, you know, be the CEO of a big old corporation. Have lots of power, you know. No, he didn't do that. I'm going to give you power to be my what? Witnesses. The power and the authority that we have in Christ is primarily for us to be his witnesses. I know you hear this a lot from me. And by the way, this is not the last time you're going to hear it today. Sorry. You're going to hear it over and over and over again. Witnessing isn't just walking with people through the Roman road of salvation, by the way. But it's also, and not just saying the sinner's prayer. But it's also, and that, by the way, that should be our ultimate goal. But it's also, uh, our witnessing begins long before that. So as we look around at our harvest field, at our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, our homes, our families, our community, what sort of witness are you being here today, church? Now, I'm talking about you as an individual today. What sort of witness are you being in what you say and do? I'll ask another way. What does the fruit of your salvation look like? Do people know you're saved? Are you representing Christ well? Are you being authentic witness of who Jesus is? Of what the Spirit of the Lord tells you that you know Jesus is? Not the way we excuse it away and you know, justify our actions and words. But what the Holy Spirit is saying inside of it is saying, now, Jesus wouldn't say that. Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't be that way. So what is a witness? Well, a witness is someone who can testify from firsthand knowledge what they saw, what they heard, and what they experienced. So what have you seen? What have you heard? What have you experienced in Jesus that can be shared with those around you? You may think, well, pastor, I can't witness to people. Yeah, you have a story to tell. Can you tell your story? I, I can't tell your story. And you can't tell my story, but we all have a story of how Jesus has brought us from death to life, from being lost to being found, you know, he, from, from, from being unsaved to saved. I mean, Jesus has done that for us, has he not? It's, that's our witness. That's our testimony, firsthand experience. We have a story to tell. But what, we, but what we lack to get it to the top of our list of things to do, I think, is we think, well, that's not my job, Pastor, that's your job, or people that are called to evangelism, or, or, or Mitch and Debbie who are in Dominican Republic, God bless them, I mean, that's their job, they're missionaries. Mm -mm. We've all been called to be witnesses, and we all can witness because we all have a story to tell. Well, Pastor, I don't know any scriptures. Do you know your story? Well, Pastor, I don't know what to say to them. Do you know your story? 
What has Jesus done for you? That's your witness. That's all the witness does in a court of law. I'm not looking for hearsay. I'm not looking for secondhand knowledge. I'm looking for someone who saw it, who experienced it themselves, and have their story to tell. And you have experienced that personally. And you have a story to tell that should excite you. And by the way, it should be very easy to tell. Let me think. Now, how did Jesus save me? You know how he saved you. You know the journey from where you were to where you are now. That's your witness. What do you need, though? Boldness. Boldness. That gives us that power and that authority. Boldness. What is boldness? It's bravery. It's fearlessness. It's confidence. You know, you may, you may be shy. You may be afraid. You may be insecure. I get it. But church, you have a story to tell to someone of what Jesus did for you. That's that in it. That's that pouring into that I'm talking about. So church, ask the Holy Spirit to help you walk in that authority, to help you walk in that power that is already in you. Say, that power's in me. Say it. That power's in me. That power's in you. He's right in there. Let him come out and start by just telling your story. I got a story to tell. I'm going to tell it. Tell what you know in your own way of what Jesus did for you. That's, that's what we hear. You know, what's your testimony? That's, what it's a tes- that's your testimony. And I can't tell it. You can't tell mine. We all can tell our story to those God has placed in our own lives. There's people you know that I don't and vice versa. It's my job to tell them. It's your job to tell those that you know. So try it this week, by the way. Can you just try it this week? Well, I've never done it before. That's why you need to try it. Give it a shot. Someone that you know is kind of like low-hanging fruit, safe. You know, someone's not going to turn you away. Can I, just, can I just tell you a story? Did that get your attention just then when I said that? That's what you can do with others. Just tell you a story. Wait for the moment. Maybe they're going through a difficult time. They've got a question. Something's going on. Can I just tell you a story? Sure. You know, 10 years ago, da 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 start from there. Now, don't let it last for 10 years, you know. Honor everyone's time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna, in fact, if you want to wear them down, just ask them for salvation. Is it, you want to get saved? I have the story. I can go further. I can go longer with the story unless you want to get saved right now. No, no, no. I want to ask Jesus in my heart right now. No, don't do that. Just the Holy Spirit will help you with that, okay? <laughs> just wear them down for Jesus. Amen. All right. Let me close with this today. And Larry, if you could come up, I'd appreciate it. I, I, I want to just encourage you today because the Holy Spirit not only gives us the authority that we need, And in that authority, he gives us the power that we need. But I also want to say one more thing for those of us maybe who are thinking, I'm not really confident in this whole relationship with the Lord thing. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit gives us assurance. This is really not, I mean, this is part of the message, but this is not part of this theme here this morning. But I really feel like that somebody needs to hear this this morning. And I'm just going to read you a few scriptures about this. I want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit, I believe, needs to give someone the assurance today that you're his child. You're a child of God. I mean, you really are. Oh, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. God already knows what you've done, and he still says, come on, I'll take you. I select you. You're my child. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Here's the thing. He loves us so much that in spite of our sins, in spite of all the stuff we've done, 
And how many knows we've all done some stuff, right? Amen? And you think, why would God love me? Why would he even want me to be his child? Don't question that anymore because you are his child. If you've asked Jesus in your heart, you're a child of God. No matter what you've done, because of his love that he's lavished on us, that we, have, that we can be called and we are called children of God. Don't you let the devil tell you otherwise. Don't you let voices from your past tell you otherwise, that you'll never amount to nothing, that no one loves you, that you can never be accepted, blah, 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 blah. That's not coming from God. That's coming from the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. So you know that's not coming from God. So you say, wait a minute, I'm not going to receive that. 1 John 3, 1 says, I'm a child of God. So I'm a child of God. And I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to sit in that. I'm going to rest in that. I'm a child of God. Here's the second thing. You may think that in your challenging times here, that God has somehow left you alone. That he somehow said, tell you what, when you get finished dealing with that, I'm going to be right here and you just come on over here and I'll comfort you. But you're kind of on your own over there because that's a little bit of a bigger mess. I really don't have time for it and I really don't care too much about it, to be honest with you. That doesn't sound like the heart of God at all, does it? No. See, he's with us. And here's what I want to encourage you with today. For someone here, I think that maybe needs to know this. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is in you and he gives you the assurance that God will never let you go. God's never going to let you go. He's got you. And he's not going to let you go. He's got you. And he's not going to let you stray away. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? Where'd they go? He never says that about us. He's got us. Romans 8, 31. 39 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? You'll have to read the verses before that to understand what these things are. It says, but if God is for us, who can be against us? Say, God is for me. Say it again, God is for me. Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us? How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one condemns. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for you and me. Say, Jesus is interceding for me. I'll say, I want you to say it again. Say, Jesus is interceding for me. Do you know what that means? In your difficult times, he's there with you, and he's saying, and he's sitting right there next to God, and he's saying, now, Jesus, Jim needs you right now. Jesus, Jane needs you right now. Jesus, uh, uh, Joyce needs you right now. Uh, uh, all these people need you right now. He's just calling out your name. and Whatever you're going through, he's saying, Jesus needs you right now. Jesus, G Jesus, God, I, 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 be there. Right. He's, he's making it. Aren't you glad that people pray for you? Do you think that people pray for you? you when they do pray for you, guess what's happening? They're interceding for you. They're calling out your name. To God. That's what Jesus is doing in your difficult times. So he's not just at prayer time, by the way. Jesus doesn't just have a prayer time. Well, today's my prayer. Here's an hour of my prayer time right now. He's constantly interceding. It's 24-7 that he's making intercession for us. Here's the part I like too, part of this, the rest of this. It says, for who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Oh, 
who shall separate us? Shall trouble or hardship? Mm -mm. Shall persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Mm -mm. None of those things. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. And all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced. I'm convinced. You can't tell me otherwise. I don't care what you say. This is, this is, the, this is the, the determination that we have. And the absolute convincing in our hearts that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's never going to leave you. Nothing can separate you. And here's the third thing that I want to close with here today. And this is for someone who believes I think needs to hear this. The Holy Spirit gives you assurance that he will be with us always. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. I know you're going through a difficult time, but be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified because of all the things that are going on in the world right now, church. All the things that are going on overseas, all the things that are going on in our nation, those that are shot up in Maine, God bless, watch over them, help those people. God, just comfort them, we pray. All the stuff that's going on right now in your life, in your family, in your situations, in your workplace, at your school, don't be afraid or terrified because of them. Don't be distracted. Don't walk in fear. Don't walk in terror. Why? For the Lord... Your God goes with you and he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. God's with you. God's with you. Amen? So here we are. Jesus said in John 9 verses 4 and 5, as long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Now, is it still daytime out? I say, yeah, pastor. I mean, the sun's going to set about 630. What are you talking about? That's not what I'm talking about. As long as it's day means until the trumpet sounds and until he takes us home and until your heart stops beating if you should go before the Lord returns as long as it's day as long as you have opportunity as long as you have time as long as you're here on this earth that's what this is talking about Jesus said as long as it's day we must do the works of him who sent me who sent us anybody Jesus sent us are we his ambassadors and his representatives what work do we have to do for him anybody be his witnesses, exactly. So as long as this day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no work can be done. There's going to be a day. There will be a day. We just sang about that this morning. When everything is going to be finished. And we're going to be with Jesus face to face. And how many looks forward to that day? But until then, we have a work to do. And we need not just look to eternity and say, even so come, Lord Jesus. Yeah, pray that prayer. But in the meantime, between here and there, we've got daytime. We've got work to do. So while I'm in this world, I'm the light of the world, he says. So now Jesus is the light of the world through us. The night is fast approaching, church. And while we're in this world, let's let the light of Christ shine brightly through us. I want to give you guys a few moments here today as we make a decision for the Lord. Would you all stand with me this morning? You've all, been seated, you all, you've all been seated so wonderfully and quietly all, these, all this time, but I'm going to ask you to stand. And I hope the Lord has ministered your heart this morning. 
And I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes because, you know, we look around. It's just it serves as a distraction. But this is now, I want you to do some business with the Lord as we close this out here today. Do you need to overcome temptation? Do you need to overcome Satan? Do you need to more boldly witness? Do you need these things today? I want to encourage you today to walk in the authority and the power that is yours in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit because you've been born into him today. Your inheritance is great. You've been elected by him today. He has chosen you. You have been endued with power by him. He's poured into you his power and his authority and he's clothed you with that to overcome temptation, to overcome Satan and to boldly witness. If you need any of those things today, you've come to the right place. And rather than me call people up today, uh, I'm just going to let you do business right there where you're standing. I'm going to pray over you right now. I'm going to pray with you, but I need you to cry out to the Lord as well because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what's going on in your hearts. And if you want to come up for prayer, absolutely. If you want to come to the altar, it's wide open. But would you all bow your heads and pray with me together? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us, for the authority that's been given to us in the Holy Spirit that we have been, that that we've been grafted into the vine. We've inherited it. We've been elected by you, Lord God. You've installed us. Lord, thank you for enduring us with power that we can walk in that authority. But Lord, man, there's times when we just mess up and we give in to temptation. Help us to overcome it by the power of your spirit. Lord, sometimes Satan just stays on our case more than we can handle. It's overwhelming to us. Help us, Jesus, to overcome the attacks of the enemy with the power that we have and the authority that we have in your name, Lord Jesus, against the enemy. Lord, in times where we're intimidated, where we're shy, where we're afraid, or we're just complacent, we're too busy, or we don't have really a heart for it because we're just looking to heaven one day and we got the blinders on. Father, I pray that you give us a boldness to witness that we would tell our story, that we'd be a witness to the things that you've done in our lives firsthand. Lord, we receive those things today. Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts and our lives. We realize that we have that authority. But Lord, may it not lay dormant in us anymore. But Father, won't you activate the power that is in our lives already to overcome temptation, to overcome Satan, and to boldly witness for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for these things. Now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, Jesus, we thank you for filling us today and those at home as well watching this online. But if today, maybe you've come to this place and you need Jesus in your heart. Maybe you're just here visiting today. You're here to watch some family members get baptized and we welcome you. But I don't know what your relationship is with the Lord, but I want to invite you to ask Jesus in your heart today. Anybody that's in this place, anybody watching from home, if you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I need that Jesus that you've been preaching about this morning. Lift up your hand and put it right back down. We'll pray together a prayer, a simple prayer. Just put it up and put it right back down. I'm looking around. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Thank you. Two people. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. I want us to all pray this prayer, whether you raise your hand or not, from home as well. Just pray it out loud. Say, Jesus, I thank you. You died for my sins. I need a Savior. I'm tired of doing this on my own. Won't you come forgive me of my sins? Live in my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Wash me clean by your blood. I'm now born again. 
I'm a child of God. I've been elected by you. Now pour into me, Holy Spirit, so that I can be effective for you and tell others about you a good witness. In Jesus' name, amen.